Would you, would you agree that in, that in history, Muhammad Ali born Cassius Clay, I mean, did he take talking about himself to another level? Anybody? Anybody? Can you think of someone in history? I, it would have to be some, some, someone with this, uh, this celebrity mindset, right? That, that, that could surpass Muhammad Ali in talking about himself. I mean, he, he declared that he was the greatest. He declared that we should all bow. He declared that he was king of the world, king of the world. I mean, that's, that's great stuff. And yet, and yet when we talk about the one who is actually king of the world, we have to ask the question, what did he say about himself like that? fascinating thing in the first gospel and you've heard me share this before but let me let me let me point us back to it in the first gospel written the gospel of mark the 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 actual flow of the gospel if you if you if you were to if you were to map it out visually is that it it rises with the question that everybody has and mark is trying to answer who is jesus and it gets to its apex in chapter eight with two questions jesus asked the disciples who do others say that I am? And they gave him some answers. And then he follows it up with, but who do you say that I am? And when, and when the answers to those questions, when, when the true answer of his kingship comes clearly into their minds, literally the story begins to descend all the way to his persecution torture and death the whole story of mark is built on this upward movement of answering the question and then when the world learns the answer the world can't tolerate how great he actually is this is the movement and yet what's fascinating is that jesus doesn't do the talking himself Compare and contrast. Jesus doesn't declare himself great. In fact, there's some stories in which somebody walks up to Jesus and says, good teacher, and he says, why are you calling me good? He, he's not into that kind of talk. He's not into that kind of talk. I, I, I'd like to ask the question this morning, what, what can we learn about the way Jesus uses his divine power by, by asking, what does he say about himself versus what do others say about him? And I invite you to turn in the scriptures as we ask this question this morning. And we go first to the Gospel of John, chapter 18, to find one of the answers. Turn with me in your Bibles that you brought with you. Turn on your devices. Turn your attention to the screens as we, as we engage the Word of God. It's the 18th chapter of the fourth, fourth Gospel written, the Gospel of John. And in this interchange between, between Pontius Pilate, this Roman representative that the religious leaders have drugged Jesus to, that Jesus would be questioned, their hope being that he would be given this ultimate punishment, this, this crucifixion execution, Pilate begins to ask these questions. It says he went back into the palace in verse 33. And he summoned Jesus and asked, are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you say this on your own or have others spoken to you about me? Pilate responded, I'm not a Jew, am I? Your nation and its chief priest handed you over to me. What have you done? Jesus replied, 
My kingdom doesn't arise in this world. If it did, my guards would fight so that I wouldn't have to have been arrested by the Jewish leaders. My kingdom isn't from here. And Pilate very astutely asked, so you are a king. If you're talking about a kingdom, so you are a king. Jesus answered, you say that I'm a king. I was born and came into the world for this reason. And I, and I took my pen this morning and I, and I underlined these next words. This is Jesus' reason for being here. Others are calling him a king. He says, I came to testify to the truth. Another way of saying it is, you, you say that I'm a king. Others say that I'm a king. I say that I'm a truth teller. Whoever accepts the truth listens to my voice. This, this is this exchange in which, in which Pilate is trying to get to the bottom of the question, who are you? Are you a king? Jesus doesn't say he's not a king, but he lets others use that language. And of course, the very next words, which, which, I, what I, which I clipped out of, of this passage, the very next words of Pilate are, what is truth maybe maybe that scene is fresh in our minds from mel gibson's movie the passion of the christ and that interchange between the two of them what is truth and that's the question that still comes before the church what what is truth what does it mean that jesus says of of all the words that could be said that Jesus says, I came, my purpose, the reason I'm here is to testify to the truth. What does it mean that Jesus takes on this role as witness to the truth? Jesus is a truth teller. Jesus understands that he, he, he had been in the presence of the truth and his job here on earth was to tell people about the truth that he had seen that he knew firsthand jesus testified to the truth and yet he didn't spend a lot of time talking about himself that way i i i I picked up this book a few years back i think it's titled uh the greatest words ever spoken i had someone uh, after one of the services earlier, asked me the title of it. It's by Stephen, with a V, Stephen Scott is the author. It's, the book's called The Greatest Words Ever Spoken. You can find it in bookstores on Amazon. I picked up this book a few years back, and what Stephen Scott has done is pretty brilliant. He's taken the words of Jesus out of the Bible, and he's categorized them into over 200 different themes or topics or categories you with me so so if you ever wondered this this book if you ever wondered what did jesus say about about marriage you can turn to that page and read if if you ever wondered what did jesus say about forgiveness you can turn to that page and read if you ever wondered what jesus said about the holy spirit you can turn to that page and read or, or those pages and read and he's got and it's real simple he's got he's got the topic and then he's got the scripture right there in front of you but the fascinating thing, and I went, and, I went and found the book off my bookshelf, it's sitting on the kitchen table now, is 
when you go to ask the question, what did Jesus say about his kingship? It's not there. Jesus, Jesus didn't talk about himself as a king. When it, when it goes to talk about his lordship, there's, there's a smattering of verses, and I read every single one of them. And he is not explicit in talking about, uh, talking about himself as Lord. Instead, when he speaks, he talks about the one who's above him. Again, compare and contrast. What, is, what, is, what does the world do when the world has an accomplishment? It brags. It, it brags and it boasts. What does Jesus do? The one who has reason to brag and boast. He gives the credit a different direction. This idea that Jesus, Jesus was a truth teller got picked up in other places of Scripture. Turn with me to the back of the book, back of the book, the back of the Bible, to, to the book of Revelation. If you will, turn back, back to Revelation chapter 1, this letter that John is writing to, to, the, to seven churches about a revelation, this revealing that God had done before him. He writes this letter, and if you read in Revelation chapter 1, verses 4 through 8, what you hear, it says, it says, John, to the seven churches that are in Asia, and then he opens with a prayer. Grace and peace to you from the one who is and was and is coming and from the seven spirits that are before God's throne and from Jesus Christ. And the first words to describe Jesus Christ are faithful witness. The firstborn from among the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth to the one who loves us and freed us from our sins by his blood, who made us a kingdom, priest to his God and Father, to him be glory and power forever and always. And then we're reminded it's a prayer because he says, Amen. But he goes on, Look, he is coming with the clouds. Every eye will see him, including those who pierced him, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him. This is so. Amen. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, the one who is and was and is coming, the Almighty. Whether it be in the past, the present, or in the future to come, Christ is king over all the earth. And yet, and yet it's fascinating that it picks up this same language that Jesus, that Jesus was Faithful witness. The, the, original, the original language that's now translated forward into the English, the original language would have understood stood that to mean that, that Jesus was truth-telling martyr. The thing about the modern world is that when we hear the term ma- martyr, what we understand that to mean is someone who sacrificed their life. But the original understanding wasn't just the sacrificing of the life. A martyr was actually someone who was a witness who would give up their life in, 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 
because they could not do anything other than tell the truth. This is what it meant to be a martyr. We, we, we glorify a martyr over the, over, over, the, over the sacrifice of their life, but the original understanding of a martyr was someone who was a witness to the truth who said, I would rather die than tell a lie like Caesar is Lord. Like these false gods are real. Jesus is described as someone who, who tells the truth. We ask the question, what does is, what is Jesus' divine power look like? He tells the truth. But in a way that, that doesn't come across as boasting or bragging. Jesus, in his divine power, sacrificed and served and set the example for us and then let other people talk about it. This is what's fascinating, the compare and contrast of, of how the world operates with its power and the way Jesus operated. In this letter to the churches that opens with a prayer in the same way that, that Paul's letters did, John has this prayer for the churches, grace and peace to you. Here's my question. What would, what would a prayer today look like for the global church? What, what, what do we wish for the global church Is there any higher cause that we could, we could desire for the church to be about than truth-telling? Th- think, about, think about every terrible headline you've read. Think about every terrible piece of news that's come your way. And tell me, if, if there in the middle of the story, the gap that's exposed... that the the hurt that was revealed, that the injustice that was told about, tell me that that Jesus could not have fixed that. My prayer for the church is that we would tell the truth about Jesus. What's my prayer for this church? What more could we be doing than just telling the truth about Jesus? But truth-telling doesn't have to be polarizing. In fact, I would suggest that there is is already, listen to me, there is already a script that we can easily follow because I'm looking around, everyone in the room already knows this. Everyone in the room already knows the language and the words. In fact, in just a second, I'm going to show that you can already finish the sentences and phrases for me. Every one of us already knows the script for how we can be truth tellers to the people that are in our worlds. What what does it mean to tell the truth of the one who is King of kings and Lord of lords? 
disciples, see if this sounds familiar. See how much of these words match your story. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once was blind, but now I can see. It was, it was grace that taught my heart to fear. And it was grace that my fears relieved. Imagine being able to, to, to recall how precious it was when grace appeared in that first hour. Every one of us, every one of us, with just the press of a button, can begin to recount the dangers, toils, and snares through which we've already come. Every one of us, every one of us looks back on our past and says, it's a miracle that I'm even here, right? Amen? It's a miracle I'm even here. Another way of saying that is, you consider all the stupid stuff I've done, right? Okay, anybody? I'm looking around. Hey, there you go. I see. I see a hand. I see a hand. Yep. I see a hand. John Clay, I'm looking at you. All right, there we go. Yeah. Dangers, toils, and snares that I've already come through. I mean, the thing is, is it any wonder that this is the greatest Christian song ever written? Because it's our story. It was grace that brought us safe thus far. And every one of us has the hope that grace will lead us home. So we had the chance to go to Athens yesterday. I've been to football games there. Lived in Athens when I was a kid. I call it the dark years. Um, But I'd never been to a Georgia-Georgia Tech game. At, At halftime... At halftime, I ended up walking some around the stadium, and I made my way over to, uh, to Section 300 and something and, uh, and, 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 and knew that we had some friends that I hadn't seen in a while that were over there. And I made my way, and I found their seats, and, uh, and I had the chance to, to start talking to them. And, and there was a couple there, and I had done their wedding a couple years ago, and I don't think I've seen them in a year or two, maybe, maybe even since the wedding. And uh, they both went to Georgia, so they were all happy. And they had a friend there with them that, uh, that, that's also a friend of ours, sort of through them. And, uh, and she had gone to Tech, and so she and I were commiserating, and we weren't happy. And I wasn't there long. I wasn't there long. I was, um, uh, Julie and the boys were back in their seats. I wasn't there long. In fact, I was only there for like three or four touchdowns that Georgia scored. So it was just like a second. Um, <clears throat> woof, woof. But while I was there, let me tell you this story. While I was there. Because I, 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 it, it's now, it's on my heart to act upon. I'm, 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 talking, I'm talking to this person, this, uh, this, this woman now that, that we know. And I'm asking because I'm catching up. And I'm, I'm saying, so, so how are you doing? How you been? Good, good. And she begins to tell me about, uh, about her work. She works for a little company that every single one of you knows. And, uh, and, and, and how great it is. And she, she has a place in Atlanta, and the company flies her every week down to the job site, and she, um, 
And she works there, and she works hard, and she's making a difference, and it's really great, and that's good. And so, so they score another touchdown, and I turn back, and I'm like, okay, well, tell me about stuff other than about work. And that's all she had. So she started telling me about, uh, about the next project she's going to be working on, and, uh, and, and that's good. And so they score another touchdown, and I, um, I turn back to her, um, and I say, okay, so, so what do you have other than work? And that's all she had. You would love her. You'd love her. She's awesome. But I started to feel bad. And I I had this sense that she was feeling bad because I was asking these questions that were so easy to answer, but she was missing the story to tell. She she didn't have anything else other than work. She tells me at one point she had to work through Thanksgiving. And I'm going, okay, okay, work through Thanksgiving. I I get it. They're they're, they're firefighters, officers, there's military, there are people that have to work through Thanksgiving. There's there's people whose jobs, you know, depend on it because lives are counting on them. And then she tells me, yeah, because the conveyor belt had gone out on Monday. I'm going, that's not good enough. Because she doesn't fix the conveyor belt. She's just responsible for some of the people a couple levels down who fix it i'm going that's, that's i'm not saying that but i'm thinking it and i now a day later am convicted that that god god put her back in my life for a moment because i am this week supposed to write her a note a message that reminds her of the good news that reminds her that that even when she feels she's lost her story, there is someone that is looking for her to be found. Even even when she feels like she can't see the next good thing that's coming, there is someone that wants to restore her sight. And if God is putting people like that in my life, who are they in your life? What, what better way to prepare that person for Christmas than to remind them there is one who came to tell the truth. And that's how he exercises his mighty power. And here's the truth. He loves us so much. He wants to turn things around. Who is that person? My challenge is, before we're together next week, find how you can tell the good news story to the person or persons God has put in your path. This is what divine power looks like. Let's pray. Gracious God, give us the courage to offer the words that you have already planted in our hearts. To begin to merge together this your gospel story with our stories, which are also the gospel. Help us to look back and realize all the times you were at work so we can tell the story in a way that that 
coworkers and friends and loved ones and, and that, that family member that lives just down the hall that desperately needs to hear it. And then remind us it's, it's not us boasting. It's us just simply telling the truth. For you are worthy of being praised. Thank you for your love for us. We pray in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen and amen.